Thank you, Richard, and thank you very much to the Nautilus Institute for organising this uh, forum. And I've greatly enjoyed and myself being here uh, today and hearing all the uh, speakers that have gone before. Uh, Dave Sweeney has uh, spoken mainly about the very first part or the front end of the nuclear fuel cycle, the mining of uranium, and then he had some uh, uh, very uh, firm words to say about the very back end, the disposal of the waste uh, from uh, the use of uh, uranium to make uh, uh, energy. The, uh, I'm going to talk mainly about the, the middle part, and I'll just, uh, just as a reminder, I'll, I'll just explain the stages of the nuclear uh, fuel cycle from the mining of uranium uh, produced uh, and then in the form of uh, yellow cake that's purified, converted to uranium hexafluoride. Uranium hexafluoride has to be enriched in the fissile isotope uh, of uranium, uranium-235, to the point where it can uh, uh, be used in the most common form of uh, nuclear reactors which require the enrichment several times above the natural occurrence of uranium-235. It's then used in the reactors to make uh, uh, electricity and then the spent fuel, something has to be done with the spent fuel. I won't be talking about the so-called uh, back end of the nuclear fuel cycle, the waste disposal and, and the reprocessing. Several other speakers have uh, touched on that. But the only thing I will say is that the reprocessing stage and the enrichment stage are the crucial stages so far as the production of fissile material that can be used to make nuclear weapons is concerned. And at the enrichment stage, you can make enriched uranium to make a uranium weapon. At the reprocessing stage, you separate out plutonium and you can make a plutonium weapons. They're the most sensitive stages, and they're the stages around the world which only occur in a few large installations in a small number of countries. For the most part, so far as the commercial starts of the nuclear fuel cycle is concerned, and of course in various countries they occur on a, on a smaller scale, and most recently this is what the concerns about Iran and the North Korea are about, they're doing this on a smaller scale, and it's thought that obviously this gives them the capacity to make nuclear uh, weapons. I'm going to just concentrate on talking about enrichment and then nuclear power. These are these have both been discussed in policy discussions in Australia over the last uh, five or so years, they're, but they're, it's important to recognise they're com really completely separate propositions. So first of all, I want to say just a little bit about uh, uh, enrichment of uranium or the, the concept that Australia might become involved in enrichment. This was uh, seen by its advocates as part of sort of value adding for Australia's uh, exports of uranium, uh, reflecting Australia's position of a, uh, as a large uh, producer of uh, uranium for the world nuclear industry. Uh, uh, two or three years ago, as I'm sure all of you recall, the, um, uh, uh, when Mr Howard was Prime Minister, he uh, commissioned an inquiry chaired by Ziggy Switkowski, who'd been deposed as the uh, Chief Executive of, uh, uh, of Telstra, uh, and the title of the report was Uranium Mining Processing and Nuclear Energy, sometimes called the UMPNA Report. 
This uh, report, in my opinion, uh, did a great uh, service to the discussion of this aspect of the nuclear fuel cycle in Australia because effectively it took uh, the prospect of uh, enrichment off the table for sensible and serious uh, policy uh, debate. Uh, what, they, um, what they said uh, about uh, the prospects of uh, uh, establishing enrichment industry in Australia, more or less quoting the words of a submission from BHP uh, Billiton, which, as uh, Dave explained, along with uh, Rio Tinto, would be one of the two companies who would be most interested in doing this commercially, as, as the two companies producing large quantities of uranium in Australia. And uh, they said, and the uh, report of the committee uh, endorsed, that the development of a conversion or enrichment capability will need to clear significant regulatory, diplomatic and public perception hurdles. Those hurdles are the ones we've been, speaking, we've been hearing about most of today, the, uh, how it contributes to uh, uh, the capability to make weapons and so on. And it's uh, uh, unavoidable in, uh, relationship to the proliferation of nuclear weapons. And, uh, as hurdles as well as provide a commercial return. And it's the commercial return part uh, that was not there, and it's why BHP Billiton and why Rio Tinto said that they weren't interested uh, in doing it. And the report, it's well worth reading that chapter of the report about that because it just sets out uh, just exactly why it's not a commercially sensible thing for uh, activity for Australia to become involved on, and that, of course, is the decisive factor that means, uh, as far as I can see, it's off the table for a, a very long time to come, and that's one good thing we don't have to, uh, to worry about. Now, turning to the question of uh, whether Australia might uh, produce some of its electricity by the use of uh, nuclear power, of course, the enormous... Uh, other crisis we are facing uh, uh, in the world today as a global community, the crisis of uh, global climate change produced by uh, anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions, has invigorated, enlivened the lobby advocating that we uh, build nuclear power stations in Australia. And, uh, and the Stikoski report, the Umpna report, uh, was a, a very strong uh, proponent of, uh, of doing so. I think that makes uh, absolutely no sense uh, whatsoever, and I'll just spend the next few minutes uh, saying why well, I think that's, uh, that's so. Uh, and there are a, very, a large number of reasons. Uh, first of all, and this was uh, described uh, in rather anodyne terms, I would say, in the Sutkowski report, there will be a need to establish an entirely new regulatory structure, a regulatory regime, train, or recruit from overseas, both really, a new cadre of nuclear physicists, chemists, engineers and so on, and establish uh, the uh, supporting laboratory infrastructure and research capacity, and uh, that would take a very considerable time and quite a lot of commitment of resources, which of course would have to be done by the public sector, or at least the public sector taking uh, a lead. Uh, secondly, uh, the, there is the uh, issue of the capital cost of a nuclear power station. And the issue about nuclear power stations is that of all the ways of making electricity, it is the, the most capital intensive and the a form of making electricity which requires the largest single lump of investment uh, uh, in, one, in one go to make 
what might be an economically sized uh, uh, project to produce uh, electricity. This is simply not a consistent uh, uh, approach to uh, financing new investment in energy. It's not consistent with the structure, the model of the uh, electricity supply industry we have in Australia today and, and we're also in most countries, in fact, around the world. But Australia is in the vanguard of this so-called liberalised or competitive markets for electricity where we rely on private investment uh, not uh, directly supported by government to make uh, private investors, private companies to make the investments in new electricity generation capacity. For an investor, this is a really terrifying uh, type of uh, investment and, uh, uh, as Dave Sweeney alluded to, it finally, the penny finally dropped with those three uh, leading Australian business people uh, not so long ago who, who uh, didn't realise that. The only conceivable uh, way that this might happen financially in Australia is if uh, investors were provided a guaranteed uh, return of the sort that uh, a number of these um, so-called private uh, public partnerships to build toll roads and the like uh, have, have gone to in Australia in recent years. As we know, a number of these are now uh, in litigation. Uh, it's cost uh, most of the state governments have gone into them large amounts of money and the size of the investment of a nuclear power station is far greater than the investment needed for a toll road and the risks, all the other risks of course are far greater. So it is not financially uh, sensible, it doesn't fit with the model of the electricity industry we now have today. But finally, the reason why this makes absolutely no sense in Australia is that of all the developed industrialised countries around the world, Australia is by far the best endowed with renewable energy resources relative to its consumption of energy. We just have the most fabulous resource endowment of solar radiation, of wind energy, of uh, hot rock uh, energy and of uh, wave energy, uh, which are the main sort of the main four uh, types. And if to think that we cannot use those sources of energy to produce really the, the, the size of the resources just completely uh, dwarfs the size of the demand for energy, and it is really simply a question of the, the technology that's uh, used to harness it. And of course, I think as we nearly all know, um, many of the technologies are now really in a uh, commercially uh, mature stage. That's most obviously the case with uh, wind energy, but the, uh, the solar, main solar technologies, uh, concentrating solar uh, power and photovoltaics are now widely used around the world. Photovoltaics is being used increasingly in Australia. The costs of all these technologies are coming down every year, with the, not only with the further research, which is particularly important in the case of photovoltaics, but with the experience, learning by doing in the case of uh, uh, wind energy. So if Australia, uh, uh, you would think of it this way, if Australia says, well, we can't um, move to a low and ultimately zero emission uh, energy uh, society using the, with the resources we have here. What hope is there for any other country around the world? 
Conversely, Australia is better placed than almost any other country to set the example and demonstrate how we can in fact do it. And I, the, the, other, the other factor which is relevant in terms of tr the transition to a low, and, uh, low emission and ultimately zero emission uh, future in the longer term is uh, our uh, enormously abundant resources of natural gas, which are a much lower emission, obviously not zero, but much lower emission uh, fossil fuel source uh, compared with coal. Now, of course, I won't, I won't talk about the uh, coal industry and the coal lobby and so on. That's not quite so relevant here. But I'll just, um, uh, I'll just make a few remarks about the arguments that uh, are advanced against renewable energy and the arguments that say why we have to have nuclear power mainly re uh, revolve around the issue of so-called uh, baseload uh, power. That's power that can go um, uh, 24, around 24 hours uh, through the night and through the day continuously. First of all, it's important to separate this argument from the argument about the cost of the electricity, and they're very confu much confused, mainly because of the importance, of the importance of aluminium smelting as uh, an industry in uh, in Australia, uh, which needs. Uh, uh, but what the aluminium industry mainly needs is extremely cheap electricity. Now, it's, there's absolutely uh, no, uh, no, no advocate of. Um, uh, renewable energy would say that uh, it, uh, renewable electricity can be as cheap as coal-fired electricity from the enormous resources uh, of very, very cheap uh, coal in the uh, Latrobe Valley or in the coal fields of New South Wales or Queensland. So uh, whether the aluminium, uh, the, I think can be certain there won't be new aluminium smelters uh, put in, in Australia, whether the existing ones stay or go they're getting quite long in the tooth, most of them now, already um, is a separate matter. This shouldn't be confused with the... So, sorry, I should have said they, they use about 18% of all the electricity consumed in Australia. So that, that's a large part of what needs to go around 24 hours a day. If you take them out of the picture because they won't work with uh, uh, more expensive electricity anyway, the, uh, the issue becomes uh, a bit uh, less complex. And the, the other thing, the next thing to say about so-called baseload electricity is that, in fact, it's really an economic creation. It was actually uh, dreamt up, uh, well, particularly by economists working for the French uh, electricity utility in the 1950s, but it's uh, an economic response to a technological imperative because of the characteristics of large coal-fired power stations and a fortiori of nuclear power stations. They do not uh, work well if they have to follow the load, fluctuating load. They like to go flat, evenly. So you actually have to invent ways to find demand for electricity in the middle of the night so that they can do that. Um, and there have been times in our electricity market in Australia that some of the generators in the Latrobe Valley have actually bid in at negative prices because it uh, costs them more to uh, shut down than to... Uh, it was worth paying money to keep, be allowed to keep generating electricity. Um, so, so if we uh, just cha completely change the way our electricity system is structured, the, so the issue of the baseload power diminishes greatly. It will need a different type of electricity system, a distributed system. It will need much more uh, different and more sophisticated forms of control, the transmission and distribution, and that's the difficulty the electricity industry has today. Most of the leading people are locked in this model of a centralised system with a small 
a number of very large power stations sending the electricity out rather than a network system with lots and lots and lots of small generators spread around where the load is. And of course, nuclear power stations are the centralised form of electricity above all. Not only are they very large, they have to be centralised, but they also have to be subject to the most stringent type of regulatory control and uh, pose all sorts of uh, security issues and so on, which uh, all those have spoken about. So building a nuclear power stations in Australia not only uh, doesn't make economic sense, uh, it is uh, really would be locking Australia into the form of electricity supply which is a product of the 20th century, not the 21st century. We'd be taking us backwards rather than forwards in the way we need to go to meet our electricity needs of the future. And it would be making a dreadful example to the rest of the world as to how to go about uh, maintaining adequate supplies of electricity for our, our, our needs with, um, with, uh, uh, without uh, polluting the, the planet further when we have such abundant and wonderful resources of clean, uh, renewable uh, energy which can last us forever to meet our electricity needs. Thank you.